This is part two of the Gangsta Chef on Kiss and Tell Radio. Enjoy! Hey friends, it's Jace. Oh yes, it's Char. And you're tuned in to Kiss and Tell Radio. So, Cabrini, um, we're back. And it's all about you now. So, Mm. you are a thriving entrepreneur. Um, and I first learned that with uh, Fuck That. And give us the acronym again for Fuck That. Mm, you know, um, Fuck That stands for, and, and that's why I was doing it. I did it earlier when you were asking me a question. Mm-hmm. Fuck That is a, is a um, it's kind of like a, uh, a, its own monologue. Mm-hmm. So Fuck That stands for finally understanding common knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm. Things happen all the time. T H A T T. Mm hmm. So if things happen all the time, good and bad, mm-hmm. in your life and in your business, I teach people why not do what you want to do. Amen. Stop doing what you don't want to do because things are going to happen anyway. Nice. So what was your personal aha moment that got you? Did you ever work like a corporate job or were you like a nine to five? Mm. You know, like, what was your personal your aha years moment? into entrepreneurship. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it's so, quite a long time. Yeah, so technically, I call myself a DNA entrepreneur. Uh-huh. Trademarked. DNA entrepreneur stands means it's in my blood. Mm-hmm. I was not taught to be an entrepreneur. Mm. My father was also an entrepreneur. 1970s, um, he opened up the first nightclub in New Orleans, three levels, built it from the ground up. He was a self-made millionaire at the age of 32. Wow. And I'm he struggling. wasn't mm-hmm, He wasn't taught that. Right. That hustle mm-hmm. was innate. Right. Yeah. And and the other thing too is I never like using the word hustle. Oh, okay. Mm. Because hustle sounds like struggle. Okay. So okay. if you talk, girl, I got to be hustling, you know, it has this mm. whole body language and connotation of struggle. Mhm. How about just see that. say see fuck that. that? What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Most get people it. don't spend the time to find out what you want. Can I apply this to my love life and shooting Absol- my shot? Because <laughs> things don't happen anyway. Ding, ding. <laughs> ding. Maybe I will hop in somebody's messages tonight. That's, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get curved. Right. Or maybe not. Mm-hmm. No, you um, so let's just let's let's start from the beginning because when we w- before we were recording, uh, we were talking about New Orleans. You're from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. My mom's there now. Both of my parents' sides are based out of Louisiana, um, including my grandfather. He was born in a small town. My maternal grandfather named Alligator, Mississippi, mm. which is not. And my grandmother, my maternal grandmother's from Natchez, which you know is across the Mississippi River from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, now my father's side is from, well, is based in, well, not based. They're all Chicagoans now, but they're f- originally from New Iberia. Unbelievable! You don't even understand how 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 uh, serendipitous mm. this is. Mm-hmm. That your mother is now in New Orleans. Yes. And your family is from New Iberia. Yes. My mother's family, all of them, is from New Iberia. What if we're cousins? What yeah. if that, that would be crazy? I know about like three or four people who are based out of New Iberia. And not even joking, 
Um, Tina Knowles says that her side is based out of New, New Iberia before they moved to Uh-oh. Galveston, Texas. Really? You're Beyonce's yes. cousin. Isn't that something? And it's such a small town. I haven't been since I was maybe four. Mm-hmm. My dad's grandfather used to give me rolls of pennies. That's mm-hmm. my most fondest memory. Mm-hmm. But uh, I always joke and say that's what that's why I like Beyonce so much. But yeah, so my dad's side's from there. You got family there. I have a, a Twitter friend. Um, Damn it, I can't remember his last name right now. But I have a Twitter friend who has family and cousins and stuff there. So it, it, it's just, it's very small world. You never know. So what propelled you to, because I know that Los Angeles, I learned since living here that Los Angeles has a huge community from Louisiana. Oh my gosh, I, I wasn't expecting that. It seems like out of all of these southern states, Los Angeles, Southern California is overran by Louisiana. You don't hear a lot of people that say they're from Florida or Mississippi or Georgia. There's a lot of Texan folks here. here. I always hear Louisiana. But then again, there's that fusion of cultures. I know Joshua is. There's that fusion of cultures where a lot of Texas food is influenced Mm -hmm. by like Louisiana. So, because you know, I go to all like the little Creole and Mm -hmm. and Cajun. Taste of Souls coming up too. Mm. None None of that had any bearing on me coming here. Well, I figured, but I'm saying what what propelled you of all places to go? And you moved out here when you were 18, right? 19. 19. Okay, so walk us through so, that. So my, my uncle lived here. He lived right by Randy's Donuts. Oh, oh yes. Now that we know what that is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, his, his, he's now passed, my Uncle Errol, um, who's my mother's brother. Mm-hmm. And so my mother came to, uh, no, no, no. My, wait a minute. Oh, so my aunt lived here. My father's mu- sister lived in um, on um, off of Buckingham Road, I think. And what's interesting is that I never went to visit her all the years I was here. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's one of the things I regret most, actually, mm. um, is not being more family and why oriented. Why do I regret it? No, why didn't you ever I was make completely, time to go visit? Because I was completely disconnected. I spent most of my life, well, not most of my life, but the first maybe 10 years of coming here running from me mm. and feeling like New yeah. Orleans was, was the problem. Mm. And it wasn't until I had to do the inner work, which is why I became the inner core coach. I had to do the inner work on me to find out that I am the solution and the answer to all of my problems yeah i think a lot of people do that when they move they think that they're in an environment that is hindering them which is also a possibility but i was about to say that some in a lot of instances that is the case yeah. there's a lot of codependency and but and there's toxicity. also work to do within themselves that they're kind of running from it that they can fix the situation by moving across the country that's why there's that meme that says moving to atlanta is not going to solve your problem because there's been <laughs> nope. i know as a chicagoan um, I moved to Los Angeles to work. That's been the foundation of me moving here. It had nothing to do with no fresh start, getting away from nobody. I was like, that is where the work at Hollywood, celebrities, that's where I need to be. That's what I want to mm-hmm. cover. But I know as a Chicago, and it's a running joke because people are fleeing and they are going to Memphis. They are going to Atlanta. They are going to Houston. They are going to Dallas. And there is this, it will seemingly this uh, idea set that moving is going to solve all of my problems. And for a lot of people, because it is a mindset, for a lot of people, moving mm-hmm. does solve their problems. Or, cre- um, or creates. Or creates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know some serial movers yeah. who will be in New York for four years, mm-hmm. L.A. for two. Now they're in Atlanta for five. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, yeah, I know people who are constantly running away from things. But I also know people who have 
flourished and blossomed Mm -hmm. when that's been their mindset. Like I got to get out of Chicago because I'm, I feel like I'm drowning. And they, like I said, even if they move Mm -hmm. to Nashville, they just flourish because psychologically it's a, it's new coworkers. It's a new, it's like they, they hit a reset. They hit a reset with the new environment. So, but that's not the case for everyone. So my father took us here on a trip because remember I told you guys he was a self-made millionaire. So he had money. He would take us on trips or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we came to Los Angeles and when we came to Los Angeles, I, I remember I was 15 or 16, and nobody else wanted to drive because they were f- my fam- we were afraid to drive in the traffic of mm-hmm. Los Angeles. That 405? No, no, no. We were on, I think it was Pico. Oh. And my father was also getting scary. a rent-a-car, I think, and so somebody had to drive the other car, whatever it was. No, mm-hmm. he was getting a big – I can't remember that part. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, I remember coming here. And I was like, wow. And it wasn't about stardom. It wasn't about Hollywood and none of that shit. It was about the feeling mm-hmm. of what I got from here. What did you feel? I just, I don't, I don't know yet except for this part. Yeah. So then my mother came to visit her brother. And we stayed at the Marina Pacifica, I think it was called, mm-hmm. hotel on Venice, in, at Venice Beach. Okay. So we were on the beach. And I remember skating with my sisters, and we would laugh, and we were right by the beach, and it just was so amazing. It was light and fluffy and airy and carefree, and then I went back to New Orleans, and I didn't understand sedentary. Mm. I didn't understand same shit, same day, same year. Everything is still the same. Katrina happened. Everybody go back to the same shit. Well, even worse in a lot of cases, because it's a new city after Katrina. Now it's a new city, I know, but it's yeah. still the same shit. Yeah. Same mindset, nothing yeah. changed. Yeah. You might have still a hurricane come in and you think, you don't think, oh, maybe it washed away my problems. Mm-hmm. No, no. As soon as it cleaned up, you went look, they went looking for the problem. Where's my problem? Mm-hmm. Where's my... Wait a minute. Because, you know, a lot of people thrive in dysfunction. Absolutely. They're so committed Absolutely. to that hamster wheel of telling that story my father, that they don't know what it looks like outside of, of My father was the same way. My father used to say, I remember this, this languaging. He would say, them niggas, they just, they trying to, uh, what do you say? Them niggas are jealous of me. And, you know, because, you know, he's high yellow. He's sexy, cute. He's progressive. But he didn't know how to handle that much success. He didn't mm. know. My mother even said they had so much money, they didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. He would make I sixteen. Right. <laughs> I swear to you guys, he would make sixteen thousand dollars a night, mm-hmm. cash money. Mm-hmm. He started doing cocaine. Mm. You know, he started doing all these things. He started buying all this stuff. He started cheating, and you know, the whole thing that comes with not knowing. How to deal with success. What is that um, Oprah quote? Yes, you have I just to know read yourself it. Mm-hmm. before you get to success or success will define you. Yeah. Something like and that. And Will Smith says something along the lines of that as well. Like mm-hmm. success will show you who you are. Yeah. If you don't know who. It, if you don't know who you are before. Yes. Yeah. You will certainly. You'll be shown who you mm-hmm. are when yeah. you get a spotlight and a couple thousands of dollars. You right. know. Yeah. And most people, if I were to ask them, or when, when I get my clients and I ask them, what does success look like, mm-hmm. right? Most people will never say the success looks like happy, sitting, drinking my coffee, being free in my mind. Most people's success is driven by what you have 
don't have, who's in your life, mm. where you live. Hustling. Where yeah. Hustling. Because I, I would not answer that question that way if yeah. you were to ask me what success looks mm-hmm. like. What does success look like? Um, right now, success for me looks like a lot of external things, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> recognition, awards, can work. I just say? Can I just say to, <laughs> to, to, to bring back the, because languaging Impact, is everything. okay. Don't say unfortunately. Okay. At this point in my life, success looks like external things because I've been that other way, but now I want to experience this and yes. not be, un, be it unapologetically. Yes. Right? But it, 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 for me, it's, it's positive impact on, on people, a conversation starter, mm-hmm. um, a, a culture, Money in my account. culture changer. Oh, definitely that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a good, that's a given. Yes. Lord, if you're listening, that is a given. <laughs> um, abundance of money in my yes. account. And yeah. And, and like I said, recognition and, and cause right now that's how I define happiness. I believe that that is what would make me happy. Oh, constantly working by the way. Mm. I, I, you know, Downtime. I want selective downtime. I want mm-hmm. my schedule to be so booked that I have the luxury of saying, "Look, I'm blocking off these these two weeks, and nobody call me because mm-hmm. I'm going. I'm treating myself to vacation. Right. I don't want downtime that's uninvited. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is what success looks like mm-hmm. to me okay. right now. I got an answer. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> she looked, she looked at me. Um. So success. What that looks for me. Um. I think specifically, um, definitely in the entrepreneurship aspect, I, when I tried working in corporate America, I never got the job. Um, oh, I'm gonna go back to corporate America, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Don't let me forget um, that part. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll be quick too. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I'll be quick. Do we have time? I mean, yeah, I mean, you guys are Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. yeah <laughs> we have a little time. Um, but yeah, but basically just having like, my business is just running mm-hmm. without i feel like right now i'm building a lot mm-hmm. i'm building foundation and i've been building foundation for i mean i say a decade mm-hmm. um but just really trying to figuring out and honing in on what that looks like so it's just a fully functioning machine to where and i know there's never going to be a time not i'm just not gonna say never but there's 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 going to become a moment i'm sure in life where i'm able to not necessarily like take a vacation, but step back and everything's gonna be running by itself. Right now, I'm the intern. Right now, I'm the um, sound engineer. Right now, I'm like the photographer. photographer. I'm also on stage. <laughs> like right. I'm, I'm doing like a lot of things, um, you know, with the help of a lot of people. But it's just like I'm. Always, it's I'm, when I see things running just like functionally and consistently is when I believe I will have success. Mm. And like yeah. kids and like family and stuff like that, yeah. all that jazz. You know, there's a thing that um, <laughs> that I usually say is, that, you know, somebody, it is said that I'll be happy when I lose the weight. And what people don't realize is that I am happy now and I lose the weight. Mm-hmm. So when you feel like you are already successful because you know what you want to do, mm-hmm. then all things fall into place. Mm. you know and and i think that's the thing that um that is missed when i think about success and i look at oprah winfrey i look at success um from a place of now being comfortable to just show up because i want to show up not because i have to show up Ooh. 
you know, and, and gourmet and tomato soup mm-hmm. exactly with the smoked Gouda grilled cheese because that's right. what she was just on Instagram doing exactly, and it looked bomb absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Right. And then and but read think my about, books right, and think about it though. Those of you that are listening, if you get the EBT card, you could eat smoked Gouda yeah. and Very shrimp. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't have to just have Top Ramen. Oh, no, with, with, with EBT card, I don't know. You could get <laughs> on the damn Top, ra- top right. Ramen is when I'm spending my own money. <laughs> right. And I'm in a crunch. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so you moved out here at 19, mm-hmm. um, and when well, I read ooh. your bio... Nineteen three hundred dollars and a suitcase. I didn't have nowhere to live. I didn't know. Same, except I, I had three thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Okay, girl. But I also no, no, no. But I also was older. I didn't say that as a gag. No, no, I moved, no. I moved out. <laughs> I moved out here at twenty six mm. with two suitcases, three thousand dollars. I had never even visited. And I had nowhere to, to live. Mm-hmm. I was in a hotel and things. So yeah. so when you moved out here, like I said, you, uh, just to reset up my question, <laughs> you uh, have owned so many different businesses mm-hmm. and you moved out here yeah. in the spirit of entrepreneurship. What is the first thing you did when it came to work? Were you working for someone or were you just like able mm-hmm. to strike while the iron's hot? And, mm-hmm. and you notice I sat up on that one. Yeah. So I, no, I had no idea. But I thought at the time I was 20 or 30 pounds thinner and I thought I could be a stripper. Oh. So I went to the Tropicana mm-hmm. and oh. the Tropicana was on Western. Okay. And I remember, and when I look back at that, I'm thinking, what? I mean, there's so many opportunities I put myself in to be killed, raped, and all that. So I go to the Tropicana and I say that I'm coming to... Um, audition for a stripper position, and he told me take my pants with down. With that tone, <laughs> no, right, no, I was, I, I mean, but I was I still very right. shy, right? Believe it or not, yeah. And he told me take my pants down, and I took my pants down, and he says, okay, no, you can't have the job. Your booty is too big. Oh, can you believe that? Back <laughs> not then, in twenty nineteen. Not in twenty nineteen. Right. My booty was too big. Apple so, Watts. so I, I felt like what a protection guy was looking out for me because I didn't want to be no stripper. I was just trying to get some money. Yeah. Right. So then I, I don't know how I got my apartments or whatever, because I always lived in fabulous apartments, but I opened up my first business called complete cookery. Mm -hmm. Okay. What year was this? 1980. I got here in 86. Let's so, see your Designing Women premiere. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just finished watching the damn series. Fall 86 is when they, as they have a, a, an episode doing Happy New Year 1987. It felt weird to mm. watch. But go ahead. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. We're, we're sipping a little wine. So it might have been um, 1988, 87, 88. Yeah. And I opened Great up year. Complete Cookery. Now, I don't know why I tend to open up and do businesses having – no reference mm-hmm. except desire, and I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to deliver food without a car? And no, Uber. no Uber, right? And no Uber <laughs> and no public transit back then. No. So I said, "Oh, I know." Be- Here's what happens, people that are listening. All you got to do when you what when you read the book, The Alchemist. Paolo says. The alchemist says, if you have a desire, the universe will conspire to get you to it. I said, mm, 
I said, ooh, I know. Mm. I'll put an ad in the paper. Mm-hmm. And I'll hire somebody with a car that has insurance. Right. I knew you had to have insurance. Mm-hmm. So I put the ad. People would call in. So they would come over to my house for the interview. Told them, you know, and my crazy ass, I had a, a office building in Inglewood and one in Beverly Hills because I had two friends that worked in the completely opposite. You got to go over the hill on La Brea mm-hmm. and then yeah. he's got to come back. It's only one driver. Yeah. But they got to get their food by, by noon. Right. How is it going to be hot, Cabrini? So I said, okay, ooh. So I hired this guy. He was excited, white boy. He was excited. So I go to these office buildings and I'm doing it. I wish I had kept the handwritten uh, menu. Every day was a different dish. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, I said, I want it to be less than $7. And it was four course meal. Red beans and rice, ooh. sausage and or fried chicken, salad, dessert. Um, All for seven dollars. Seven dollars. Well, Ooh. you got to think about the time. The time yeah. before, because now you'd get ran ragged. That's right. thirty but back bucks. Then, I'm at like, least. Yeah. And, <laughs> and my red beans and rice. So I was gonna say you brought the delicacies mm-hmm. every single day. It was I. I always said I'm gonna cook for twenty people. Okay. Right. So my first day. Which you got to when you frying chicken, by the way. Mm-hmm. By yourself, like out of your own right. apartment. Yeah, twenty people max. <laughs> my my first day was seventeen orders. Wow. Okay, so you knew, I knew. Now, I don't know how I knew this conceptually because mm-hmm. I've never done this before. So, okay, you got to call it in before 1030. You get your ass to work at 8. Mm-hmm. You look at the menu. You call in your order. By 1030, I know who's getting what. Okay, so you go to Beverly Hills. Okay, we're going to, I mean, to Inglewood. We're going to deliver it to you by 1130. Mm-hmm. No, by 1115. Mm-hmm. He's going to come back, pick up the Beverly Hills order. So how were you trusting, was there ever an instance, since you were essentially Uber Eats and Postmates and all of this before, before, Mm -hmm. was there ever an instance where, because I know that people were not paying prior to getting their stuff, Mm -hmm. was there ever an instance where someone tried not to pay you or said, really? Never. And let me tell you, it was was because desire and excitement and all that. And these are professional people. I'd expect, if I know where you work, Mm -hmm. you sit up here playing games. Yeah. But, but here's a, the best and most important part of this entire story is that the driver didn't show up. <laughs> I got 18 orders, 17 orders. On day tri- one? Day one. <gasps> he didn't show up. The white boy? The white boy didn't show up. So you said, congratulations, you're hired. Be here at 2 p.m. Monday. Food is ready, and piping hot, be packaged. Be here at 10.30. Yeah. Because you got to do delivery by 11.15. Oh, yes, and, yes, yes, of course. Right? So 10.30 hits, and no. there's no cell phone. 10 so o'clock, show up, then you done call. You so call in the landline. I'm calling, he's not answering, blah, blah. So now I'm thinking, what am I going to do? So I'm pacing my floor, and I said, okay. Ooh. Now, this is a perfect opportunity for anybody that's an entrepreneur out there. This is a perfect opportunity for you to quit. Because nobody know you yet. Ooh. <laughs> Very <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You can just what Yelp quit. review? You can, you know, <laughs> we just don't call your yet. friends you know, over and be like, girl, it. I didn't fry out this chicken <laughs> right, and make these red eat. beans and rice. Come <laughs> eat, bitch. And it's in my book. But anyway, I go yeah. and I knock on Miss Helen's door. Now, this is when these older people were watching Young and the Restless. Oh, so you interrupted Ooh. her story? Daytime tea. Well, soap you know, opera. Remember, she, they came on at 11 o'clock. Yeah. I said, Miss Helen, please help me. I said, I need to deliver these meals and... So she says to me, 
Caprini, um, why the, why the, um, you young and the rest is on? And I said, <laughs> I'm gonna put gas in your car and I'm gonna feed you every day. So she delivered for me, helped me oh, wow. deliver for the Miss first Helen. two days. And then this woman. You didn't woman, ask for her keys? She, she, she had did, helped me deliver. Okay. And then this woman named Bonnie, I remember this woman named Bonnie, had an extra car. And it was a Datsun Honeybee. Okay. Ooh. B210 Honeybee. And when I tell you, it was back in the day before the, the smog alert. I was putting up the hill with the white smoke coming out the Ooh. back of the car. I said, if anybody in Beverly Hills saw me. Delivering this food, food. Yeah. right. You know, so that was one. So you're responsible for the smog. Yeah. <laughs> right. <I'm joking. laughs> I am. The pollution. That was the beginning to my success. Wow. And it that just I snowballed from there. And having yes. to figure it out. And having to figure it out right yeah. there on the spot. Yeah. So walk yeah. us through, before we revisit your entrepreneurship, walk us through um, your bouts with uh, cancer. Mm. So what happened with that? Okay, so... Um, what what happens with cancer is the the cancer gene is already in in everybody's body, mm-hmm. right? What triggers it? Stress, not yep. eating right, yep. feeling undeserving, or trying to please. So life things. life triggers life. it basically. Adulting, <laughs> adulting, the get, the adulting. <laughs> not the Spice Girls era, <laughs> right? For sure. Right. <laughs> so at the time, I had been doing um, major uh, events for women. And um, it was 2005, and I remember trying to be, to please all these women. And I remember, you know, okay, so I've opened up this club because all of you guys said you wanted a club, and you know, um, you know, Jules Catch One was there, but they wanted mm-hmm. their own specific place for women. Uh, of understandably. So I opened up Cabrini's spot, and um, I remember at the time nobody was coming mm-hmm. because women were couch potatoes. I didn't mm. understand it. Then I op- I did a thing called um, uh, the membership uh, VIP, and it was $100 a year. Mm. Ooh. And they gave me a, a, a big, huge problem with $100. What? Oh, my God. You know, there was What did $100 a year get you? It was uh, free access, free parties. If oh, there was please. an event going on, it was $5. Um, half off drinks, you know, different things. Oh, please. Oh. So it, it had all the perks, it oh, sounds okay. like. Right. For a hundred raggedy dollars. They wanted free drinks. They wanted to get in for free. So I remember, so all that was going on and the stress of it. And oh, my God. So then um, this woman... You guys, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but these are important things about business. So this, you know, there are alcohol brokers, right? So this broker, I thought, came to me and said, I have um, one-day permits. You can sell alcohol for one day, and it's just $100 a day. A one-day permit, okay. Right? So I would spend, uh, was it $2,000 or what was it, $1,200? What is that, Uh, a month? What is that? For the month, so 100 bucks a day, so that's 13 33,100. So per per month is what? What is it? Uh, so every single day? Yeah. Is 3100. Right. Mm-hmm. So she I would give her the money. Mhm. She would give me the permits. Mhm. I didn't know it was illegal. Yeah, I was like I've never heard of a one day alcohol I didn't license. Know, but, shit. <laughs> I, but but I went online and saw we you know we thought we were doing our due yeah. diligence. We saw the one day permit. It didn't tell you that it was $10 a day. Mm. But it was. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, Vice comes in. Uh oh. This white people are doing this um, uh, comedy show. Mm-hmm. Vice comes in, knocks on my office door. 
me and Karen are in the office door, and he says, "Step outside, please." And I'm like, <laughs> I said, "My my um my alcohol permit is at the I'm clearly right right here, here, like, here are the receipts." <laughs> no, the 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 one day permit is posted on the door. Right, on the right. Then they start looking at each other like clearly. She really she's must. She has been. She's been. She's been swindled. He right. said, "Can we take your computer, and will you have um, uh, permits on here that you've printed?" I said, "You could have this. What?" They handcuffed me and took me to jail. <gasps> what? And they felt so bad for me, so they put a, a um, uh, their jacket over me so that. People that were in the club could not see, see me yeah. walking out. Oh wow! With Why did they feel the need to to? <coughs> well, it was an illegal business. Yeah, but apparently, okay. apparently there was a ring happening that I didn't know about. Yeah, and you got and, sucked in. And this woman was the ring. Mm-hmm. Wow! And so I had to do. I had to be the snitch. Mm-hmm. So I set up a sting. And Whoa. In, yeah, in the me, it was like straight out of fucking um uh, uh cops SPU. and robbers rescue. <laughs> I'm sitting there having coffee. She gives me the. They gave me the money to give to her. Ooh, oh she my god! Me, and then yes. they come pull up out of nowhere after the deed was done. They were all sitting around having coffee in the spot. Oh my god! Were you mic'd? No, okay. they were watching. They were watching. Yeah. Ooh. I give her the envelope. She gives me the envelope. I give her the twenty five hundred dollars. I walk out up from the bar from the seat and go to the bar. They swarm her. In the meantime, they knew who she was. Went to her mama's house. Oh, not, not the mama. And was pulling the computer. So anyway, fast forward. This is 2005, early 2005. I feel a lump in my breast. Mm. And so I go and find out that it's breast cancer, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have insurance. How big was the lump? Luckily, it was one centimeter. Which okay. is, is that like it's golf a, ball? It's a, oh, no, no, no. no it's no, a little it's thingy like thing. Like a marble. Okay, no. like. Like, P, a P. A P. Oh, wow. It's, it's one, stage one, you know. And what area, if you don't mind me asking, because it, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, yes, what area was... It was above my nipple. Okay. On this one. Okay. So, and I'm always touching my breasts. I'm sh- touching Same. them, showing them, everything. Oh. Same. Mm-hmm. So, it was right here. No. I was like, oh, what the hell is that? So, I get up and I tell my partner, we look, we didn't have insurance. You know, long story, but... Um, my sister was selling care entree insurance, right? Okay. So I got that. I said, I asked the doctor immediately, if I call right now, can I go to the doctor tomorrow? And this is what I'm saying to you people that are listening. Do not bury your head. If you bury your head, that's when you're going to die. Yeah. So I called the doctor. I went there the next day. This man put his hand, older man, about 90 years old, said, well, now you know, these lumps are usually non-malignant, 80% non I'm not trying to hear it. And Run I said, me my test. I said, 20% is too much. So I went to the hospital hospital. Mm-hmm. And so this black woman, she was so beautiful. And it's the only reason why I could do a needle biopsy. Because I was <laughs> like this. Mesmerized. <laughs> yeah. And she poking and pulling and whatever. Ooh. Well, she didn't get enough of the tissue. But when she saw the picture, she knew it was suspicious. Yeah. So she says, I'm just going to do. Now, mind you, I don't have insurance yet. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Lord. But she was progressive. That woman saved my life. Very Meredith Gray of her. She saved my life. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. fast forward to 2018. I go 13 years. I tell people 13 is my lucky number. It Mm -hmm. is not a bad number, even though in the 13th year, the second round came up in the same breast. Wow. Really? Now, how did you discover this one? Feeling it again? No. I felt something on the right side. Mm. 
And they looked at that one and said, no, but wait a minute. We see something here. Wow. So they said, well, we don't know yet, so let's do an MRI. And if you ever, people, feel something and then they, they tell you they can't see it, make them do an MRI. Yep. Because when you do an MRI, they got to do both breasts. They can't just do one. Does the same apply for ultrasounds? Ultrasound, they still can't see it. Because if it's a fatty tissue, mm-hmm. it won't show up. See, my issue with this is that, uh, and this is a very sensitive topic for me, mm-hmm. a lot of the times... Primary care physicians and doctors um, will dismiss a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that in certain questions that I've had, they said that I, I you know, I'm not in the the age bracket. You mm-hmm. start testing for breast cancer when you're 42, da da da. But I have peers, mm-hmm. okay. I have classmates in undergrad that I attended undergrad with who are walking around with shaved heads because they have just battled, you know, a stage three breast cancer, Mm -hmm. things like that. And so the disconnect for me is that there are people of all different ages dealing with various bouts Mm -hmm. of cancer. So then what determines, I know that sometimes MRIs and, and ultrasounds can give you a false positive or whatever it's called. But if I'm seeking this information out, why are you adamantly putting a, a stop to this it's because funny. my fear is that okay if something does if i listen to you and just walk out of here and then two years later something's i'm stage four yeah and now we can't stop this right. moving train you know so, so so this is where how do we better advocate for ourselves in in the google is really god google is your doctor google is god mm-hmm. and when you see the symptoms you know keywords people that are listening you ask the doctor specifically what you see. Does it look suspicious? Right. Suspicious, suspicious is the word. Is the right. Word. Yeah. Does it look suspicious? Mm. And if you cannot see it because it is a fatty yeah. um, uh, tissue, because the ultrasound fatty is, you know, or they'll tell you that it's um, nobular, or they'll tell not nobular. They'll tell you that it's um, uh, you have dense breast and. You know, um, it a could, fibroid, a, fi- a fibrous tissue, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell them if sometimes you got to lie and tell them I have history of blah blah. I need you to do an MRI. Mm. The MRI is the one that will give you the true picture because it puts both of your breasts in a cup and it gives you the accurate picture. Mm-hmm. And MR, the the here's what's interesting: the mammogram that they did on me did not even pick this one up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was because they felt this one but couldn't see couldn't see it in the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And because I had it over here, they said let's schedule a mammogram. Yeah. I mean yeah. a, a, MRI. A, a MRI uh-huh. for this one. Okay. And this was but the they 20, had to do this both. was the twenty eighteen. This is the twenty eighteen. Okay. Yeah. And so you found out what exactly in So they found out that this one came back. Okay. So um, I said, okay. And how, what was your initial reaction? My initial reaction was, okay, Cabrini, what were you thinking? How have you been feeling? Mm. What have you been really um, stressed with or, you know, not paying attention to? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm saying to you guys, this languaging is so important that success means nothing if you are not happy first. Mm-hmm. You know, so... So anyway, so I said, okay, whether or not, because we all do bring on the things, people will challenge me on this. I said, okay, maybe 
Cabrini. There was some tissue because it was in the same spot. Right, right. There, maybe there was something still left mm. when we did the. And then it kind of, kind of grew. W- yeah. Yeah. So I said, okay, now what? So they said, okay, we can do a mastectomy. And I said, okay. And they said, well, Cabrini, now you know, if it does come back on the other side, you know, I said, well, wait a minute, what if we do two? A Shit, double. y'all could y'all just do a double mastectomy. You can still get me the same. And he said, but you know, there's a new procedure called DEEP, D-I-E-P. I don't, I forget what it stands for. We can look that up. Mm-hmm. So I get a tummy tuck and they use this, feel this. Right here? Mm-hmm. No, the whole breast. Okay. You want to see this mother? Ooh, we're having such okay. a feel no, session. I can, I can feel it. But I yeah. can show you. I love showing them. Okay. This is all my fat. Okay, from, from the tummy stomach. tuck. Oh, so they did the tummy tuck. So they, they took did. my fat from my stomach uh-huh. and put it here. Okay. So there's wow. no implants. Oh, wow. wow. That's neat. It's my own fat. So it's a trans flap. So yeah. So okay. my fat. Now, it, do you have a fear of it? the fat ever redistributing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yes, it will. Okay. Now, because So what do you do when that happens? Shit, you got to eat right, think right, feel right. <laughs> <laughs> Ashe, keto. <laughs> so, because it, it, you know, I can tell that it is, you know, my pro- you have to know your problem area too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My problem area is my stomach. So I could tell like that most the, of us. the fat, well, <laughs> some people is their hips. Yeah. Okay. Some that people too. is their arms. Mm-hmm. So as I'm eating now, <laughs> you know, I can tell that it's, you know, that's why I went to keto, which we'll talk about later. But anyway, so yeah. So anyway, it's fine. Everything is fabulous. I said, now this is where I want to do, um, the ketogenic lifestyle. Right. The ketogenic is really about cura- help curative to cancer. Mm-hmm. And in the 1920s, ketogenic came about because of epilepsy and seizures. Oh, wow. I never knew that. Because yeah. yeah. I think Greg Leakes did keto diet. And this go- this ties into uh, your eat right, think feel right, right, feel right. Yeah, think movement. right, feel right. Yeah. yeah, and that was very pivotal. Even I remember when we were cooking this weekend, and we were just making shrimp scampi. And Which sounds so bomb right so now. Good. I could like, go for some. All, all the butter and garlic mm, and all yeah. the things. But I remember her telling the um, volunteer chefs, the sous chefs, that like, how do you feel when you're making this? You you make to make love to the food. You like put your energy into it because it does make a difference on the way you enjoy your food. Yeah. What would you say is your signature dish if you had had to say something? All of them. Ooh, all of them. Amen. Because, Real confidence. Yes, because um, – most things, if you see all of my videos that I'm doing of my food. Where can we find those? Instagram, uh, keto underscore gangster underscore chef. Okay. Mm-hmm. I click, am click, doing bang, bang. it for the first time. Okay. But I'm in love with how I'm, I'm just like, what? Yeah. So I was telling people, when you, are ch- when you are cooking up your food, are you thinking about the day? Are you thinking about that song you heard that you was in the <laughs> Keisha Cole. In you will not let that go. <laughs> I remember when my heart broke. I really am never thinking about this song. It's not even on the playlist. Really I know, but I just say. I know, For people I know. that are listening. Yeah, you know, the association. When you, when you pl- if you are cooking your food, mm-hmm. even if you grub hubbing, mm, mm-hmm. even if you postmate, when that food comes, what is that person thinking when yeah. they're delivering it's, your food. It's energy. It's energy. And it transfers. Energy and doesn't go away. it transfers. Mm-hmm. So when you get your, so my goal is to transform the Grubhub world in the Postmate world. People going to hate this shit. Mm-hmm. But I've always been a trendsetter. Is to get people back in the kitchen. Yeah. 
cooking their food, falling in love with themselves while they cook it. Mm-hmm. But they don't need nobody else. That's amazing. What do you say extra? to people who just simply don't have time to cook their food? They call a gangster chef to cook for you. All there right, we go. Chef, so <laughs> in, in your kitchen. Let's pivot. In Hood and Beverly Hills. Let's right. pivot. Let's wrap up with uh, discussing um, gangster chef. Now, when I was reading your bio, you, um, I, you coined that name from when you were cooking the New Year's, mm-hmm. uh, and you kept saying, "That's gangster. Mm-hmm. That's gangster." So. Really quickly, if you don't mind telling us about your book, mm-hmm. what inspired you to write that, and how everything is going with your brand, with with Gangsta Chef right now. Because like we mentioned at the top of the show, you've had your your uh, your hands in a lot of different pots as far as entrepreneurship. Yeah. But cooking, it seems like, has always been your first love. Uh, so walk us through both Gangsta Chef and your book. Cooking and Coaching is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And the book just tells you the journey. So it's kind of like it could be a blueprint for an entrepreneur to go through and say, oh, my God, oh, my God, I went through that too. Oh, my God, that's how she got through that. So in 2013, Karen and I, my partner of 19 years, okay. s- wow. decided to um, stop and not do another brick and mortar. Right? We mm-hmm. had opened up a pet store, first pet store in downtown Los Angeles, two doggy daycares, um, two pet stores, actually, uh, two coffee bars, blah, 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 where the DNA comes in, fulfilling the need, mm-hmm. right? So we said in 2013 we were going to stop. And I said, I want to just, oh, y'all going to love this. I said, I just want to speak. I want to be a speaker. And so my poor partner, bless her heart, she's looking at me like, oh, Lord, what you going to talk about? Because you know, to be a speaker, you have to have something to talk about. Yeah. How are you right. going to frame this language? <laughs> right, right. What's your brand? What are you going to say? What's your brand? I said, I just want to teach people. I said, fuck that. So we started that. So fuck that was just me saying fuck that. Right. It didn't have a The meaning. acronym meaning, no. meaning to right. it. So she came in the room and she says, okay, finally understanding common knowledge. Things happen all the time. That's why she and I are partners. She mm-hmm. came up with the acronym. It's beautiful. And that gave me permission to, to say, say fuck, fuck that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yes. I'll say. So now it was, okay, so now you're going to say fuck that, but what do you want? Mm-hmm. I've done all of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then so our next book is, what do you, uh, fuck that, what do you want now? Okay. Ooh. Is there a new book coming out? Yeah. Oh. So now it's going to tell this journey of the keto. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... <clears throat> But this one just tells the journey of all of our businesses. And what we really vacillated with, you guys, when I sat and wrote this book in two weeks, I had never written a book before. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Mark Walker. Shout out. Uh, Comfort <laughs> L.A. Y'all, know, y'all been to Comfort L.A.? Mm-hmm. Yes. Black owned? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark Walker. He was my coach on this. Oh. Okay. Um, uh, I sat there and writing these failed successes that's what I was asking you guys what a success look like mm-hmm. I call them failed successes meaning I opened them they did not work but they were a success that's funny that you say that because I was actually on a call recently and um I say trial and error mm-hmm. and he said no no there's no errors yeah. just trials mm-hmm. and I was like mm-hmm. oh yeah a gym yes yeah so failed successes yeah so um so the gangster chef is really about pulling together gatherings and cooking for people and showing people how to get in touch with what they're eating and putting in their body. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. I love that. And like, I'm, I'm blessed and honored to have experienced gangster chef <laughs> firsthand for three whole ass days Woo! in the Hollywood Hills. And we ate mm. like till our hearts content breakfast, lunch and dinner. And I wasn't supposed to do that. Oh, oh so you went above to, and beyond. It was not supposed to be the way it was. But when you show up, you can't show up halfway. Mm-mm. You can't. I could not have showed up the way I was supposed to, well, was uh, paid to show up. <laughs> right. Because can you imagine if you saw the, the, the gangster chef sitting down saying, well, I wasn't supposed to do nothing until. I hate when people do that. Oh, my God. Right. I wasn't supposed to be doing nothing until the nighttime. Uh-huh. Because, yeah. you know, maybe a client doesn't want to pay you for the full time. Mm-hmm. You know, but there there is no, there is no, um, uh, when you are, are there, there's no, um, uh, time slot. Yeah. There's no time you show slot. Up. For your you service. Right. There's no time slot. Yeah. So, Cabrini, um, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of yes. I just want to thank y'all. Y'all are the best people on the planet. Oh. And I can't wait to you. share you, you with the people that do not know about Cat. K-A-T. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss and tell, honey. baby. K-A-T. Thank We've you for around. coming on and yeah. sharing your, your story. I got a lot from it and i'm sure our listeners will really appreciate it before we get out of here uh tell people where they can find you on social media okay social media um i am the keto gangster chef on instagram even if you don't put the underscore it'll pop up because that's gangster um gangster like not <laughs> er but a yeah gangsta uh-huh. and on uh facebook cabrini f that f t h a t t Okay. Schneider, S C H N Y D E R. All right. And is your book available on Amazon? Yes, it's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And also notice that with two T's. T H A T. If you haven't noticed. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can find Jace everywhere at Jace Barron, and you can find me everywhere at Char Says So. But one last thing I just remembered the K A T. Uh, Kudos, really quickly. Um, Goes out to Amy Stevens. She was a, I mean, her, her, uh, case amongst others was just featured uh, they went before the Supreme Court mm-hmm. on October 8th and this is only the beginning the Supreme Court the Trump administration is literally trying to strip everything away from um, trans people in the workplace yeah. Try, but trying to essentially make transness a fireable offense and uh, we already know that trans people and I think this may even affect some gay people because you know that uh, sexuality and gender expression are two totally different things so it will affect you know uh, certain people that are intersectional and like right. I said those of us who are on the, the fluidity of, of it all. Yeah. so yeah uh, the discrimination the ass backwardness of it and people are you know guising their ignorance in religion and whatever else but um, Amy was a funeral director and she was fired for transitioning on the job essentially but it did not affect her workplace performance she mm-hmm. was still you know um, and so, yeah, shout out to Amy, Laverne Cox, everyone who's on the front lines. Ashley Marie Preston was out there mm-hmm. snatching edges per usual. And, you know, it's a scary time. It's a scary time, but I I remain hopeful because I personally could not imagine someone firing me. Even though I'm sure that I've had workplace discrepancies based on my transness before, I feel like I used to be protected, even though I don't think I was fully. But, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, it, it's a lot going on. And like I said, we are in this front of the Supreme Court. We are two and a half months out from 2020. And this, the fact that this is up for discussion makes me physically ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
coupled with the onslaught of of trans murders that seem to be never ending it's just a lot to be um surviving trump's america right now so in the meantime between time what go ahead what were you gonna say i was gonna say you guys think about this you know when i ever talk about trump i want you guys to realize those of you that are are, um uh, spiritually connected godly connected or whatever they said that the antichrist was coming well the only way that you can clear the air is for the antichrist to show up the devil has to show up to get everybody in order so now that the antichrist is here clearly (laughs) now that's putting in place the the laws for transgender for all these people that have been denied everything because of that because of the antichrist Mm -hmm. we're able to now fight for what we need to Mm-hmm. in 2020 you know what i'm saying god and that's willing. another yeah abs- well no i'm saying i'm no we, we okay. listen y'all not gonna let this shit go down is you are you no is you? No, exactly. no no but i i am um really quickly just a little i'm side-eyeing a lot of stuff I as know. far as you know trump's potential re-election there are a lot of negroes i feel like the numbers are going to be different this go round versus in 2016 how majority of black folk Uh, voted for Hillary, I feel like Trump will have a lot more black people on his side this time based on um, the little meeting that he had with the Negroes at the White House just last week. And a lot of them were our our peers. It's called the, the, what you call it, the what you call hashtag walk away. Or a Eidos or something like yeah. Yvette yeah. Nicole mm-hmm. Brown was telling me something about this a few weeks ago, but that and then on top of that, you have people like Kanye West who are holding these Sunday services, right. who have wrapped niggas back in because he's singing gospel music over the 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 Tamia beat, right. and he's sitting up there <laughs> with the mic saying that the Republican Party freed the slaves, which is factual, but it is also grossly inaccurate. In that, hello, do your research, uh, Kanye. So I want to just end with I'll give you this other last thing, you guys. If somehow we love a tidbit, stop letting. When when you see black people going through this, this is the get out movement where some somebody's hitting that teacup. Mm. Oh, I don't I don't engage. You know I don't have about? time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't but engage because I don't have with, time. But that's what's happening with Kanye and all these other people. Stacey they hitting Dash, the teacup. The white God woman. bless yeah. them. I, I don't engage because I simply do not have the fortitude to. But yeah. in the meantime, between time, take care. I keep saying my char says so. Uh, log off. I love us for real. <laughs> Until next week. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.